everybody. It's Trags, and it's Wednesday, August 12th, time for episode 363 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us, as always, at clnsmedia.com, and follow us on Twitter at Patriots CLNS. This is a special episode of Patriots Beat this week. We're going outside the box, if you will, but I'm really excited uh, about having our guest, John Tadora on today. He is one of the most interesting guests we've had on our show in recent memory. He spent almost 20 years in the food and beverage business, owning and operating several multi-million dollar establishments, including the country's largest cabaret. I got that right, John? That is true. That's pretty impressive. He's You have appeared on ESPN, Good Morning America, the NBA channel, and Playboy.com. Two years ago, he walked away from all of it because he stumbled upon a sports secret so incredible that it made him incredibly wealthy. Now he is here on Patriots Beat today to tell us all about it. John Tadora, they call him the sports trader, and his website is sportstradingsystems.com. That's all one word, sportstradingsystems.com. Follow him on Twitter, at John Tadora, J-O-H-N-T-O-D-O-R-A. John, thanks for joining us today. Mike, thanks a lot for having me, man. I, I really appreciate it. So uh, let's, first of all, tell us how you got to where you are today with sportstradingsystems.com. What was the impetus, if you will, for uh, creating the website and your business? Well, let's talk about like where I am right now. So you, you are in, where are you exactly right now, Mike? Uh, I am in Boston. Actually, Sunbury, Massachusetts. Okay, on the outskirts. So I didn't tell you this when we talked for a little pre-interview, but I am currently in Thailand. Really? Yeah. So you're talking to me from Thailand. So two years ago, I sold, I had, um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Nobody cares. I had a Steeler fan. Restaurants, everything. Get that out there. Steeler fan. Yeah. We we talked about that in advance. Uh, I had the, um, I had the pleasure of living in Miami for almost 25 years where I, I worked for a while in uh, bars and nightclubs. And then I eventually owned and, and operated my own. Um, and a couple of years ago, I just, I got tired of what I was doing and I had also found a separate path for myself that was born from, uh, 2008. Most people out there, uh, at least around my age probably remember that 2008, we had this super crash, you know, the yep. real estate market crash sure from all the, the housing and all the stuff like that. I was heavily invested in everything. I lost a lot of money, uh, seven figures and, uh, I realized at that time that everything that people told me about investing was was pretty much not true. You diversify yourself. You have all these different portfolios of different things. That things won't be connected. So if something goes wrong in the housing market, your stocks will be fine. Well, they they were wrong. And um, born from that idea came from the fact that I, I love analytics, and you and I talked about this beforehand. Yep. And uh, I I'm obviously an investor, and I obviously you know like to uh, to make money. That's a, a something that I truly truly enjoy. <laughs> I have a I have a pleasure of that. And um, I came up with this idea to use sports as a method of investment. Now, I, I know a lot of people say that, but I, I actually figured out an actual way to really do this. And it emulates what a lot of some of the best traders in the world do. So um, without boring your entire audience, because I want to talk sports, but um, without boring your whole audience, I just want to let, let them know exactly what it is I do. I, I do something that's pretty, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Can I go into it in a little, little detail, Herman? Absolutely. And, and let's also preface this. Uh, John, speaking with sure. John Tadora of sportstradingsystems.com. 
The reason I think it's interesting and it is not to me boring is because analytics have become such a vital part Hmm. of sports today. Uh, Every general manager in every sports league uh, uses analytics. They use the next generation stats. We hear about that all the time on ESPN. Um, They are relevant. And I think, you know, it was only a matter of time before a person like you with your motivation and your passion for sports and uh, combined with analytic uh, skills uh, would come up with something like this. So I don't think it's, uh, you know, uh, outside the realm of what we talk about on a normal basis anyway. Yeah, well, you know, a, a lot of this comes down to um, a lot of these ideas are born from so my original favorite sport. It's not anymore. Football is my favorite sport now. But as a kid, my favorite sport was baseball. I loved, I, I used to sit outside with a, a pad and this is how old I am, by the way. You used to have like a, and I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but they used to have a book that you would open up and you would listen to the, the games on the radio. Yes, on the radio and you would keep score of the game. And I would do that every summer while throwing a ball against the wall. So I would throw the ball against the wall, listen to what happened, run over, fill in my score pad and then continue like a true sports nerd. Um, and you know that this all comes up. You've seen the movie Moneyball. Yeah, sure have. So Bill James with, with, uh, with Sabermetrics changed the face of how they, you know, not everybody caught up now, but for the longest time, these small market teams were able to put together really good baseball teams without being able to compete against the Yankees, the Red Sox, things like that. Um, and you're right. Those analytics, people saw that and, and that's spread. Now you look at, you watch a basketball game. They're talking about analytics and numbers that most people have never even heard of. So, um, anyway, so I, I took some of those numbers. And I learned from, from, from investing. I learned from buying real estate. I learned from investing in the stock market that everything is really built off of less about the brands and more about the numbers. So I can like and love the Steelers, which I do. But if the Steelers have been bad for the last nine years, on the 10th year, I'm certainly not going to bet on the fact the Steelers are going to be a good team. Right. Uh, you know, you're, just a, you're from just a hunch. on a hunch that they're going to eventually turn it around. There has to right. be analytical. Uh, reason and data, data points. And I know you're big on data points yeah. that point toward a trend. Exactly. Exactly. It's like being a, I hope there's some Browns fans watching. It's like being a Browns fan and then hoping that, I'm, <laughs> sorry, I had to get one Browns joke in there. Well, um, fine anyway. by me. I grew up rooting for the Bengals. So anytime you can dump on Cleveland and the Browns, I'm good. It's so easy though. You almost feel I bad. Know, it's like it picking is. on a toddler. It's, <laughs> it's just, sometimes I've gotten to the point now where I, I don't even rip on the Browns fans anymore. I'm like, you guys will get it. You guys will figure it out. I, I hope they do at one point. I, I actually think they are heading in the right direction. I just, uh, you know, because obviously, speaking of analytics, they made a big push towards uh, analytics and data points and going in that way. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. it hasn't that really paid off yet. Though, but I right? think, what's that? They, they made that commitment last year, I believe. I, I they read did. About that. Yeah, they did. Well, look, they, they spent a lot of money in the offseason. They, they shored up their offensive line. They did a lot of things, I think, that could make them a lot more competitive. It's really going to come down to the kind of coaching that, that Baker Mayfield gets. And that's less about analytics and more about the head of the quarterback. Unfortunately, we have no, you know, there's no, no, there's no way to sure. predict what's going to happen to a 25 year old guy at that point, you know, at that point or however old Baker is. He's 24, 25, but, um, anyway, so I, I went back to, see, as you get me off on football, I'll, I'll run off on a tangent. Um, so when you're, you're an investor, if you're a, if you're a, if, you, if you've ever spent any money to try to make money, whether it's stocks or property, you can buy the brand. You can buy, I have an iPhone somewhere around here. I don't know where it is right now. I'm probably charging. Oh, here it is. 
here's my iPhone. So I can invest in Apple because I use an iPhone, but that would be fairly ridiculous because that's just me saying I like the Steelers. So, you know, when you break it down, but I could also know that uh, the uh, Apple comes out with a brand new uh, piece of technology every third quarter of the year. And on that, on that fourth quarter earnings, it comes out so well that the stock goes up. And I know that if every, I wait every year on the third quarter, if I invest in Apple, I can make some money. Now I know that because if I look back 10, 20, 30 years at historical data, I can see when the perfect time to invest in Apple is right before the launch of a new product. A lot of people do this in seasonal tradings too, for like pork bellies and things like that, you know, like commodities. So I just do the same thing with sports. I go back and I test data for 10, 15, sometimes 20 years. And I got some cool data later on. We'll talk about for the Patriots too. I knew I was doing a Patriots podcast today. Please, so I got, some, yes. <laughs> I got some cool stuff that your, your people may actually like. So, but what I do is I, I use the exact same principles that are used in trading and I've turned them into sports and I have used sports as a market that is actually used as an investment market. So rather than, rather than, uh, I don't know if you heard about it this weekend, but there was a, there was a bet in New Jersey on a, on a, on the, on the PGA, uh, event that was Sunday. I don't think I did. There was a $350,000 bet. Um, on God, I forgot his name now, but it doesn't make a difference. Three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the odds were plus two seventy five. So three seventy five was going to win him nine hundred seventy three thousand dollars. Now he lost. <laughs> I have I have no idea what would make somebody bet three hundred fifty thousand dollars on a golfer, but there was obviously not a lot of back tested historical data or information. This guy had only won one PGA Tour ever before. So no, I'm sorry, one PGA event before. So. If you look at stuff like that, you realize that there are gamblers out there and there are people that understand, like we're talking about, how to use analytics to make money off of them. Right. And I've never understood gambling just based on hunches. I mean, I understand gambling if you go off uh, specific data points, specific trends, and you have a a mass of data behind you that supports a very specific end result. That I get because that's there in my estimation. That's not just uh, wagering. That's scientific predicting, right? You, you are essentially placing money on the odds, which you believe to be very heavily in your favor of an Mm -hmm. end result. Now I want to get to something, uh, an acclaimed book of yours, Zero Correlation Investing and Score Metrics. Uh, can you go into that and w- what those two, uh, what the book is about and what the concept of score metrics is? Sure. So this kind of goes back to what I touched on a second ago, which was my, my crash of 2008. When you lose that kind of money and you understand that you did it because everything was connected. And I didn't just lose in property. I actually had, I, this is why I own the bars and nightclubs. My, my, uh, my brick and mortar businesses started to decline. My stock portfolio crashed. My, uh, my uh, 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 investments in, in property obviously became garbage. It was all connected. So you realize that when one market starts to go, the levy breaks and the other markets have to go. So like what we're dealing with right now, somewhere along the way with everything that's going on with coronavirus and, and you know all the money that the government's pumping into the economy to artificially inflate it, something's going to break whether it's going to be the mortgages again because people aren't paying their mortgages, whether it's going to be defaults on, on business loans or defaults on something, something's going to happen. And eventually something's going to pop. And if it's, if it's, the, if it's the mortgages, the, the marketplace itself may, may collapse again. We don't know what's going to happen, but wherever you're invested, you're probably at some type of risk. So the reason that I call this zero correlation is no matter what happens, 
I'm never at risk. Now, baseball season stopped for a while. Basketball season stopped for a while. So my money went to a cash position, which means that I had all the money. So, you know, if I invest, say, $10,000 into a, to a, into a baseball season or 20000 or 50000 or 500 into a baseball season, at no time is all my money at play with the system that I've created. Right. So only, only parcels of the money are at play. So when the games end tonight, I literally go back to a cash position and, and I'm good. So I don't have to try to have a fire sell. The, the value sure. of my portfolio isn't decreasing uh, with, you know, no, no fault of my own. And I'm just trying to get rid of it. So I never get into that position again. And that's why I call it zero correlation investing. I'm correlated to no other market at all. So essentially, John, I don't know if I'm oversimplifying. Don't have all your, all your eggs in one basket, right? Essentially. Or... That's actually it. That's actually it. A hundred percent. And you can simplify it as much as you want because a lot of people don't understand what I'm talking about right now. It was a point in my life when I didn't understand what I was talking about either, which is how I ended up in that position. So the simplified as easy as possible. Absolutely. You're just you're disconnecting yourself from everything else. You know, people don't understand what I have conversations with people. Sometimes I have like private students and you'll talk to people and they'll, they're not even sure what correlation is. So correlation is just, you're just connected to everything else. Right. So it's right. All your, all your bags are in right. one basket. When Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whoever it is decides to shake that basket and all the eggs break, you know, your egg will be outside the basket. Well, we're speaking with John Tadora. This episode is sponsored by Scoremetrics Sports Trading System. You've heard of Sabermetrics, the analytic model that propelled the improbable Oakland A's to be a competitive team in the early 2000s. Well, now meet Scoremetrics, a system that legendary sports better John Tadora, who is uh, gracious enough to join us today on the podcast, used to propel himself into a multi-million dollar lifestyle in record time. Scoremetrics applies millions uh, millions of relevant data points with John's custom proprietary analytic models to accurately pinpoint winning profit opportunities in the betting markets. So get this, just last year in the 2019 Major League Baseball season, Scoremetrics produced a 217% gain. And the back-tested results of the members-only alert system, based purely off the Scoremetrics method, have a staggering 6,796% compounded ROI, return on investment, over the last four years. That's amazing. It is as easy as following along on your favorite betting app. Now, for the first time ever, John is opening up access to Scoremetrics to the public. To get access and start placing high-probability bets today, visit sportstradingsystems.com slash podcast. Once again, that's sportstradingsystems.com slash podcast. Now, um, you know, before the break, uh, John, we were talking about uh, score metrics. I want to get more into what they are and how they are based um, on different data points. Okay. All right. So what we do is we, we backtest like thousands and thousands of patterns and micro trends. And like I said, I have a couple here that I'll, I'll explain to you guys in a second. And we, we develop them into what we call super patterns. So it's not just one pattern. It's not, um, well, let me, let me, let me explain one to you. Let me, sure. I have one that I wrote down here. Let me just read it off for you. Cause I, I, I don't remember all these things, obviously. It's good so to let's have talk about the Patriots. down. <laughs> Let's talk about the Patriots. Yeah. And actually, this is how old I am. It's actually not written down. It's typed on a piece of paper. You don't write anything down anymore, apparently. Well, but, yeah, you don't, you don't lose it on your screen on your laptop going between five different desktops on your... Right. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all on the cloud now, so I have everything. All right, so the, let's talk about the Patriots. Over yes. the last 20 years, 
I, you could you could argue, but it would be a futile argument to say that the Patriots are the most success, successful sports franchise in probably anywhere. I don't think anybody has has reached the level of a success that they are as an actual franchise, wins and losses. But you know, how are they against the spread? And that's always something that you wonder because the bookmakers are smart and they're able to figure out, you know, with within a few points of when of what most games are going to be. Now, sometimes you'll see a blowout that no one predicted, but if they say it's a seven-point game, it'll usually be a six, seven, or eight-point game. The Patriots are 61.2% over the last 20 years against the spread, so which is very impressive. The average team averages 53%. So the Patriots are head and above. That's higher than I would have expected. That yeah, is, it's very high. Yes. Considering how smart they are in Vegas and the adjustments that they make. So that's that is super impressive. So when you think about it, if you invested in the Patriots every week for the last for the last 20 years, you'd make money. Right. Over the last 10 seasons, though, they've had two losing seasons. Not in real life, but against the spread. Against the spread, sure. So it starts to fall apart as an investment. So well, the, the way I align my investments is out of 10 years, I, I have nine, usually nine years, 10 years of winning investments. So because I'm looking at this as an investment. You talked about compounded ROIs a second ago. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a gambler when, in the sense of, you know, people call me a, like one of the most successful gamblers in America. But I'm not a gambler in that sense. A gambler in that sense is going to put three hundred fifty thousand dollars on the golfer. I hope <laughs> he wins nine hundred seventy five, and when he loses, he's going to go, "Oh crap, <laughs> let's start all over again." Right. And I don't do that. I'm constantly running up total. So again, let's go back to the Patriots, sixty one percent. So let's add one little make one little metric. After a loss, after Bill Belichick loses. And he goes against the spread. He has 73% chance of winning. He goes up 11%. I'm sorry, 12%. Right. So as when they're underdogs after a loss, the Patriots are 7 and 0. If it's a pick 'em, if people think it's an even game, they're 2 and 0. So when you start to dive deeper and deeper sure. into these metrics, now that, that to me, I call that one rule. So we're looking at the Patriots as a, against the spread. The one rule is after after a loss. Now, you see the change in one rule? In my systems, we add up to five rules. So we're constantly changing the variables. We build off of one theory, and the theory could have started with, and I would never use this just simply based off of the fact that even though the Patriots are the most consistent um, franchise over the last 20 years, there are two things that carry along with that that most franchises don't have, the same coach and the same quarterback. So that's a that's a variable that you have to understand. How do you so, think that's going to change? By the way, not to interrupt you, John, but how do you think it's going to really? Um, what's that dynamic going to be if it's Cam Newton and Bill I'm, Belichick? Because so many people are trying to figure out what kind of offense are they going to be. How will Belichick let you know, and Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator? How will they be? How will they allow Cam Newton to be himself at a, at quarterback? So here's, here's a couple things. And this is going to go into human nature. So if you want to go back and look at Josh McDaniel, Josh McDaniel did a great job in Denver when he had Tebow. He allowed Tebow to be Tebow, which wasn't, wasn't that impressive, but he still allowed Tebow to run, move around, be, be that guy, you know? Sure. So I think they're going to let Cam do the same thing. I think Cam has another idea. I think Cam wants to come in and show people he can be a quarterback. I think Cam is, is, is emotionally injured by what just happened. And, you know, it's a fair point. He's Cam Newton. Now, has he, has he been spectacular the last couple of years? No. I mean, aside from the injuries, I've been on the field. He's a very inaccurate quarterback, in my opinion. But 
he's a he's a freak of nature at quarterback. So will they use him that way? Are they going to let him let him run the ball? Are they going to are they going to use him at the, at the goal line? Are they going to run some spread options and things like that? I think McDaniel might want to. I don't know if Belichick is interested in that type of uh, that type of offense or not. But the one thing you have to give Belichick credit for is he adjusts to not only his players but to who he's playing against, and he always figures out a way. That defense has had seven different looks over the last twenty years. It's it's always kind of the same, but it's always a little bit different if you watch too. You know, it was a it was a standard three four, then it was kind of a four three. Now it's a hybrid. Nobody has adjusted his personnel um, to a system better than Bill Belichick, and nobody yeah. has adjusted his system to his personnel. I, it's probably a little bit of both, I would say, uh, with Bill Belichick. But uh, what's interesting to me, and and you bring all of this all of this analytical data up. And it's to me, it's one thing for people who wager uh, on sporting events to use analytical data uh, to determine uh, a likely outcome, but it's another for the actual organization or the team to use that analytical data. And I guess my question to you, um, John Tadora, is do you have a system where you use external and internal data points? Uh, define what you're talking about with external and internal. What do you mean? Well, I guess there were data points on the outside uh, that we we can easily research. We can look up, you know, how how the Patriots do against the spread uh, as an underdog a week following a loss, right? I mean, sure. that, that is something external. But internal uh, trends that uh, that teams use. Um, you know, in baseball, you, you talked about the Oakland A's. They were one of the mm-hmm. very first to really be successful in baseball with it. Sure. But are there football teams that um, you can see using data more and more uh, to try and help them advance and gain uh, competitive advantage? Well, actually, absolutely. You know, it, it, in factual uh, practice, they are using things like that, even uh, in a position by, by position breakdown. So if you look at um, if you look at the way they're training, I I happen to have a friend who's a who's a deep defensive backs coach in the NFL, and this and I'll use this example because he explained it to me pretty well. So what they do is they break down tape. You look at a wide receiver like Antonio Brown. Um, Antonio Brown runs runs a, a Z uh, runs a, a a slant pattern eight times out of in, in the game. But when Antonio Brown runs that that slant pattern, every time he's pushed to the left, he he, he it breaks his route. So it, I'm, I'm explaining this poorly, but no, basically that, that, that makes sense. They're, they're breaking down human tendency so that if you, if you play X, Y, Z against Antonio Brown, you can, you can limit his, his, uh, his, uh, uh, his, his success. Yeah. Look at a, look at a left tackle with a left tackle. Every time somebody makes an inside move on him, eventually he starts to o- overcompensate after the third time. So yeah, I think they're starting to use data points like that a lot in individual coaching sessions. Absolutely. Do we use them? Absolutely not. We, we actually don't break it down. So a lot of what we do isn't, isn't like, it doesn't even get as specific as the Patriots. Again, I don't care about the brand. I will break things down and look for tendencies that are built all around through all throughout the NFL. So there's a, there's a, um, there's, there, so we're in baseball season right now. So there's a system that I used to use that I didn't use this year because of the, 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 the shortened season, but I'll break it down for you. So, uh, and a, I'm sorry, American league teams versus national league teams. So when national league teams travel to the theory used to be when national league teams travel to the American league, they have trouble adjusting because they don't have a roster built around the DH. Um, 
but the I just explained it backwards. I'm sorry. It used to be the other way. People would say yeah. that when American League teams travel to the National League, the pitchers aren't ready to hit. But when you look at the data, that's not true. It's actually the other way around. So the, the, the performance uh, model that we built was built around the fact that when American League teams travel – I'm sorry, when National League teams travel to American League teams' stadiums – am I saying this right? I am. Yeah. National yeah, League goes – When, when the National issue. League goes to the American League, the National League team gets the DH. But I think I know where you're going with this. And what yeah. people assumed is that it would be uh, an advantage for the National League because they're getting an extra hitter. But what mm. is not um, – you know, understood. And that is national league teams are not accustomed to how you substitute late in games using the DH. Whereas yes. um, where American league teams are. So it ex- essentially it extends your bench. Uh, the DH extends your bench late in games and national league teams had more trouble adjusting to that than American league teams did going uh, to a ballpark, a national league parks where the picture hits, but even if the picture hits, you know, maybe once or twice a game and then gets pulled, um, it becomes a more familiar uh, environment for the American League teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so if you start with that theory, with what we do, you start with that theory, and then you can add layers to it. So, again, it's it's it, going back to my original example, which was the Patriots are 62%. It's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good number. But when you start to add layers to that, you start to eliminate games – like you don't have as big of a pool of games to play off of. So the Patriots play 16 games a year. When you start to add those layers, now you go down to six games a year, maybe five games a year, but your probability of winning goes up. So the average gambler, the, the, the fun, good time gambler is going to go to the sports bar. He's going to put a hundred bucks on the Patriots. He's rooting for the Patriots anyway. He's this one gives him something a little extra to root for. Come on, Billichek, you son of a cover that cover the the spread. You know, you know. The, the, I, I one of my best friends is a Patriots fan, so I'm actually using his verbiage exactly. You know, you guys won won six Super Bowls, and he he still hates Billichek for everything that he does. But uh, he's still complaining. Come on, this guy's horrible. I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys, he's the best coach of all time. But uh, that's the Boston fan, I think, in general, though. Yeah, right? I, so, I would say that's, that's fair. Yeah, Pittsburgh fans are similar too. They want to fire Tomlin every year. You guys never had a losing season. That's a that's a heck of a statistic right there. You've never I had didn't a losing know that. Season. Is that that's true? For, and he's been since two thousand and eight, right? Yeah, two thousand and seven. I think his first year was um, the year before he won the Super Bowl. If I'm if my yeah, he won the Super Bowl second year, second year coaching. Right, right. But he took over a really good Bill Cowher team, and that was what everybody said. He took over a really good Bill Cowher team. Okay, he did take over a very good Bill Cowher team. But the year Cowher left, Cowher was not very good. Cowher was, I'm going to think Cowher was 7-9. and nine. So, Well, I was actually at Bill Cowher's last game in Cincinnati at Paul Brown. Oh, really? State. Yes, I was. Uh, I don't know if you recall this, but um, the Steelers were down late. Uh, but the Steelers had a chance to spoil the um, playoff bid of the Bengals by winning the game and that's what they did in overtime. And I've, it wasn't Heinz Ward. It was some other, uh, it was maybe Santonio Holmes, somebody like that return, um, caught a touchdown pass deep in overtime. And that was Mike, uh, Mike, uh, Bill Cowers last game. Oh, nice. That's a nice way to go out. That's a nice way to go out. You, you know, you spoil a rival's opportunity to go to the playoffs and, you know, by the way, if we're going to go down this road, um, let's <laughs> let's go back to 2015. Sure. That that game, 
was I don't know what the odds were, the probability. Is, wait, is that the game? Wait, in let, the let me make sure my, my memory's right. Is that the penalty game at the end? Yep. That is Devontae's. The Vontaze oh perfect Adam Jones uh, hit on Antonio Brown. That, oh my I mean, God. to this day, and I think Patriot fans would agree, uh, based on what they saw from his behavior, not his play, but his behavior uh, last year was so erratic. Uh, but that hit that perfect laid on Antonio Brown, which I actually thought was not a penalty, believe it or not. I thought it was a shoulder, um, you know, a shoulder to the head, a shoulder to the upper body. But anyway, well, the reason that the reason that hit looked so violent though was that Burfecht didn't really, Burfecht kind of stood there and just like it looked like a guy, a man hitting a child. Yes, it was. And it looked so stood violent. over him, and he stood yeah, yeah, over yeah, yeah. him, and uh, but Adam Jones didn't make it any better. But the odds on the Bengals winning that game went from, and I'm sure you hear this all the time in different <laughs> sports where it looks like a team, like, you know, we've seen it in the Stanley Cup playoffs um, when uh, Columbus allowed three goals in game four against um, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in the final, you know, four minutes. And their, their win probability up 3 nothing was something like 98.5%. The win probability for the Bengals after uh, the – Landry Jones, I believe, interception late in that game was uh, 90 uh, – it was like 96.9%. And I'm like, oh, my God, the Bengals and A.J. McCarron are actually going to win a playoff game. Yeah, it was over. their hated rival, and then the Jeremy Hill fumble happened, and then, you know, you know the rest of the story. That game is I, – I still say that game is the biggest meltdown I have ever seen by a team. I would agree. Self-imposed. Self-imposed meltdown. Like, it wasn't like, and it wasn't one of those meltdowns where it's like, oh, you really blew coverage or, or, you know, you, you guys missed tackles all of a sudden. It was just the most incredibly crazy meltdown of all time. Led by, led by Perfect, who I believe is out of the league now, finally. And, uh, and, and right, Adam Jones. It was just like, God, it made Marvin, Marvin Lewis look so bad. They have, so no, I'm bad. telling you, I'm telling you for a fact. That franchise has not recovered from that. And I think, um, obviously with, um, Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick, uh, oh. as quarterback, I think that's going to help them. I think they're going to go in the right direction. I, but I, I got to tell you, um, John, with the pandemic, it's really hard to gauge where the, where some of these NFL teams are going. And I'm going to ask you, as somebody who does this for a living, how difficult is this going to be? Uh, in terms of predicting trends in a, in a year that we've never seen in the NFL? Well, it's going to be really difficult, and it, it's going to be really difficult for the fantasy guy. That's the guy that's going to have trouble, the guy that used to be able to watch those four games and see a few rookies. Like for myself, I was always able to, you know, I'll, I'll watch the Steeler games, and, you know, because only, only a real fan watches their team's, uh, you know, preseason, preseason games. Right. And you you start to see ah this is how they're using some of these rookies oh this second year guy took a really big leap and I'm, that I'm seeing in him physically that I wouldn't have seen before and these rookies aren't going to get the playing time they got before they're not going to see the field like they did before so for a for a true fantasy guy that's where it's really going to hurt people I don't know if it's going to hurt us on our end as much you know and we'll find out coming up this year there's a lot there's a lot that's going to be shown if baseball shows me anything and and you know we're only two weeks into the baseball season. It hasn't changed anything at all. For some reason, the systems I'm using are just fantastic. They're Is that just, right? Really... So, so the yeah. the data, the the score metrics 
um, data points are pretty much uh, true to form. Yeah, and they held up in basketball as well. So in basketball, we were we had a, we had a tremendous season that was cut short. Um, well, uh, well, delayed, I guess. So I thought it was going to be cut short completely, but it was delayed. And as it came back, the, the everything stayed exactly the same. The data points stayed the same. A lot of it's built off of the fact that we're playing against. So a lot of people don't understand what, what's happening. The, the bookmaker is always going to make adjustments. So he understands that they're so much, they're so smart. They're going to make adjustments according to not in the beginning. This is who we think is going to win. And then the adjustments start to happen based off of who's, who's putting their money where. And a lot of what we do is based on off of that as well. So we, we base our, our, um, our decisions off of the data points that we go back on that are sometimes sports trends. And they're also book trends as well, because there are ways to actually find out where the money's being played. So we actually, we actually get involved in that as well. So it hasn't affected us. And I, I I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, what, as I said it, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I was curious because this has never happened in the history of anything. So there's no way to go back again. We talk about back tested historical data. We could talk about what happened in 2015, 2010, 2005, but this never happened. Who no. knows? I you mean, know, but it's, all, it's all held strong. Bill Belichick this week brought up, you know, 2011, but even by his own admission that what they're going through now is nothing. Uh, 2011 was nothing compared to what they have to take into account right now. And 2000, what happened in 2011? That's when uh, they had no, uh, tra- uh, sorry, uh, mini camp and they had no uh, OTAs because there was a labor stoppage uh, in the off artists. season. Yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. the famous um, Jeff Saturday hugging Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner. Oh yeah. And, and uh they had to get the collective bargaining agreement done essentially in the middle of what would be training camp. And I think they came back in, if my memory serves me, early August, and they were able to get, uh, you know, the, the, they were just able well, for, to from, get, go ahead. From a preparation standpoint, I would, I would agree with him for, for preparation, but this is going to be ongoing as well. There's going to be a tremendous amount of maintenance to what they're doing as far as trying to keep everybody healthy, keeping everybody safe. Right. Uh, you know, trying to keep track of it. Like I just saw, um, God, I forget who it was, but someone in baseball just got suspended. Two guys got suspended. Oh, that the A's and the Astros fight. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't that. Two guys oh. got suspended for, for going out on a Saturday night. Oh, they that's found right. They went oh. out to a nightclub or a bar or something. Yes. And they got, they got a 14. Well, the, I don't know if they got suspended for 14 games. They got they quarantined. quarantined. So it's basically a suspension. The Phillies, maybe? I, I, I don't know if it was the Phillies. Yeah, it was or... a blurb I saw come across one of my one of my apps or something, and I was like, "Oh wow, that really sucks." I, and I meant to read more about it, and I didn't. So I'm just I'm, I'm a headline talker right now. I'm just talking headlines. <laughs> well, I uh, I got to tell you, I've been pretty impressed across, across all four sports. Yes, we had the blip with Major League Baseball, but uh, I give credit to Rob Manfred and um, Major League Baseball. They are very embattled, and they have not. Um, enjoyed a good PR um, start yeah. to this uh, pandemic season, mm. uh, but they're battling through, and it looks as though they are destined uh, and determined to see this to the end. The, they, so I have this, I have this theory that, that goes along with what they're doing, and I think it, I think this, this just translates across everything. So again, you know, I'm in Thailand. We haven't had a, we haven't had a domestic case here in seven weeks or eight weeks. Maybe we're eight weeks now. And it comes down to the fact that when the government told people to stay inside here, they actually did. Like, it was spooky, creepy outside. 
Like I would walk over to my grocery store and I mean, it was spooky. There was no one around here. It was like, it was the strangest thing. People stayed inside and they listened. And I think that if the baseball players listen, like all these things that are happening while while these baseball players are getting sick, it's all human error. They, They don't listen. They go out to clubs. They went to a casino you know they're 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 doing all these things. So if you if you know the rules and you right. follow the rules, you know you won't you won't get sick or you you know the the, the chances of you getting sick are a lot less. Do you think we're going to have college play. football? I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I, it's not looking good. I don't. I think I think it's going to be a lot of peer pressure. I saw the SEC release a statement today saying they're trying to make their way through it and figure it out. But if the Big Ten goes down, the Pac-10 goes down. I can't see it happening. No, I, I can't either. I, I think just, it'll collapse from an internal pressure from the administration too. I think it'll be the teachers and the, I mean and, the professors. And, and if there's a silver lining, it's that it's it's being collapsed due to um, an abundance of caution as opposed to they weren't out ahead of it and um, people are starting to get sick. That that would not be the case in this particular uh, situation. But I really I'm going to miss college football if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody is. And you know what? This comes down to, again, we talk about back-tested data. When we talk about this virus, that's all part of it, too. Everybody wants these answers now. Ten years from now, we're going to know everything there is to know about coronavirus because we'll have had all this time to actually look back on data and go, well, we were wrong. When we, You know, people were upset that Fauci said this and this guy said that. Well, this he, they didn't know. He was right. he was telling us the information he had to the, the best of his knowledge. These These universities have to make that decision based off of what they know now and what they think might happen in December, which it could get worse. It could go away. We, we, no one knows. So you're right. They have to do what this is all about caution. You know, the, the young people are supposed to bounce back a little faster, but you know, you don't want that on your, your conscience. No, you do not. Uh, anything else you want to touch on John? No, 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 not much else, man. I, I really enjoyed to, uh, talking to you though. This Likewise. Was, this was fun. This was fun. Um, and I can forgive you being a Steeler fan. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm going to tell you two things real quick before we go. Please. First of all, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a Patriots fan, but I'm a huge Patriots fan as far as uh, respect for the respect Patriots, you know, right. As far as the w- way they put together a, what a, a great, uh, what I, like I said, I think it's the greatest franchise in sports history. Um, Cincinnati, by the way, on a personal level, you guys, if you guys don't screw up Burrow, I think you got a chance to be a, a pretty decent team. You had a really good draft this year. Competitive. I, I would agree with that. I like the draft this year. And the, the only other thing I'm going to say is this. If anybody's interested in learning any more about what it is I do, you can go check out my website, which is sportstradingsystem.com, uh, systems.com. And I set up a special link today, which is sportstradingsystems.com slash podcast. So they can go set a special link. There's a special offer there for everybody if they want to go check it out. And, Mike, I really, really appreciate you having me on the show. You got it, John. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, John Tadora of Sport uh, Scoremetrics Sports Trading Systems. He told you just a couple of seconds ago, but I'm going to give it out again. Visit sportstradingsystems.com for more. That's sportstradingsystems, plural, dot com. Uh, sportstradingsystems.com is the place to go check out score metrics for producer Michael Angi and the founder of the network Nick Gelso this is Mike Petralia and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media
Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.